The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church and is part of our series in 1 John. For previous messages or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Good morning, church. Uh, I hope that your memorial, your soggy Memorial Day weekend has, has started well. Yeah, it, was, it was looking bad this morning, but fortunately... You know, I see some, uh, some sunlight out there, so I hope it brightens up for us. Uh, I, I do hope you're doing well. If you have your Bibles, you can grab them. We are, we are going to be, as you might have imagined in 1 John still, we are turning into a brand new chapter, though, in chapter 4, so you can find your place with me there. Um, let me do this, though. Before we get started in this this morning, I want to begin our time a little bit different. So this text, our, our book, comes alive when you can kind of put yourself in this world. So I want to I start with a little uh, test in our imaginations this morning. I want you to do your very best to put yourself, as we go through this story, to put yourself in it. So I want you to imagine uh, that, that several years ago, a movement had begun. It was a man who, who began this movement and, and just witnessed so many incredible things happen. Like things that no one could believe, signs and wonders, healings, just everything. So many things had, had happened, and just crazy. And you should have heard what this man was saying as all of this was happening. Like just an unbelievable movement that, that started with this man and, and the movement that was surrounding him. And as this movement was just growing, right? As this movement was growing, the unthinkable happens. The man is arrested, falsely accused, beaten, and killed. That was the movement leader, now falsely accused, beaten, killed, condemned, executed, and and so, so much for that, right? So much for this movement that was gaining traction, so much for it. The the leader's gone, and, and just imagine the followers in this moment. We thought, I really thought this was it, and now... Our leader is gone. He is, he is, he is gone. Uh, this man who had claimed so much is gone. And imagine the uncertainty that, that you would feel in this moment. You've kind of hitched your wagon, so to speak. And this man is gone. The man who claims so much gone. Um, until something happened that would change everything. I mean, change Everything. The man who made so many claims, claims about being God, claims about being the fulfillment of prophecy, claims about being able to forgive sins, right? All of these just outrageous claims in one moment validated every one of them. Just in one moment validates every claim that he, that he made because this man rose from the dead. A man who had been dead and buried for three entire days rose. So for, for, for his whole life, the world knew that he was a man. He knew, they knew he was human, flesh and blood. But in this moment, the man who claimed to be God proved that he was and validated every claim that he made about himself. And, and honestly, everything changed because of this moment. All of the past pointed toward this moment. All of the future hinged on this on this moment, it was the moment that changed everything. So then, our question, what happened to this, 
God-man movement, this movement that Jesus started, what happened to it? Uh, Needless to say, the movement that was founded on the death and the resurrection of their leader thrived. It began to spread. It lived on. The movement, also called the church, began to grow, and churches were planted all throughout the known world, all throughout. And right here in the beginning, um, think about this. The, the movement was led by men who were actually disciples of Jesus himself, good friends with, with Jesus himself while he was here. And it was led by these men as, men as, they, as the, the church, this movement, went forward and, and began to figure out what this movement was going to look like that was going to change everything. Now, here's where I need your imagination. I want you to imagine that you're a part of one of these churches, I want you to imagine, put yourself in these churches. So you've been founded on the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right? That's been the foundation. And, and you're, you're, imagine with me, your pastor is one of Jesus's closest, was one of Jesus's closest earthly friends. And that's your church. Now, I love our church. And I know everyone in this room loves our church, right? Amen? But this church sounds awesome. Does it not? Like, I want to be a part of that. I mean, sure, there was struggle. There was persecution, like, well, like is going on now, but in other places of the world. But, but sure, it was hard and it was a struggle. But think about it. God himself was in this. And, and you were seeing incredible things happening. And this was your church. Now, all of a sudden... And I want you to imagine that early church was this room, all right? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, with no explanation, a large group from in this room stands up and says, I don't believe what you're telling me anymore about Jesus. I just can't get there. Uh, I know what he said he was, but he was either God or man. He could not have been both God and man. Can't happen. I just don't buy it. I can't get there. Um, instantly, in that moment, just picture it. Would you begin to question what is happening? Like, what is, what is going on? It was just a couple years ago that Jesus was on this earth and, and died and resurrected. It was just a, in a span of a couple years. The movement that was founded on Jesus, Jesus himself was the thing being questioned. Imagine your closest friends, people that we call brothers and sisters, standing up in this room and saying, I can't buy it anymore. And together, them leaving this room to start another religion, start a cult. Now, I want you to imagine the pain that you would feel. I want you to imagine the emotional, just the confusion, in all honesty, that we would be feeling in this moment. Imagine the doubt that would start to come into your mind. Like, did we get this right? I mean, were we right on this? Because half of us just got up and left. Are we right on this? Or how about this doubt? What if it's not all that important? I mean, we, I mean, what if we just agree to disagree on this one? Do we have to break off? I mean, what, is it really that important? I mean, these are our friends. I mean... What if we're putting up all this fuss and we're kind of wrong? Like, imagine the doubt that would be coming into your, into your mind because this is your friendships, your eternity, everything wrapped up into this. 
Church, welcome to the world of 1 John. This is where we drop in. Is there any wonder why, if you've been with us from the beginning in 1 John, that John is, is just so lovingly reminds this church so often of the assurance they have in Christ? You can know. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to be filled in doubt. You can know. Is there any wonder why John reminds them that they can be confident? Is there any wonder why John puts such a focus on just love each other? I know you're hurting, and I know your friends just left you. Love each other. Don't forget to love each other. Is there any wonder why John just hammers that message in? Now, I hope that you've gone with me there, and in your imaginations, you're there, because I want to read this to you. Picture you're there, and I want to read this to you. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world. Little children, you are from God. You have overcome them. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How amazing is that text in light of what we just talked about? John is saying, I know that your world has been turned upside down. I know that you are hearing so many things of what is true, what is not true, and I know where, what you have gone through, but test everything. Everything that you hear. Do not be gullible, because not everyone claiming to speak for God actually does. Do not be gullible. Not every sign and, or wonder is, that we see is from God or points us to truth. So test everything. Test everything. Everything And so John gives us this really simple test. If they confess that Jesus came in the flesh, then they are from God. If they do not confess Jesus Christ, then they are not from God. Test everything, filter everything through that test because everything hinges on Jesus. Is your Jesus the real Jesus? That's the hinge. Now, verse 4 is, we're going to get here in more depth later, but listen to this. You are from God and you have overcome them? For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John says, I know that they're in the world, but be assured that you are children of God. Giving them confidence in the midst of all of the chaos that they have just gone through. Now, thank you for using your imaginations with me. Let's fast forward. Let's bring this from um, the ancient world of the text into our world today. Let's take this from the first century church to our church today, Stone Oak Bible Church even. Let's take this from the first century follower of Jesus and let's fast forward to us today, to you. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, 
but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So I know most of you won't be super eager to admit this, but is anyone in this room gullible? And it's not a fair question because most gullible people wouldn't say, hey, I'm gullible, right? But maybe a better question is, do any of you know someone who is gullible? <laughs> right? Here's, a, here's another question. How many of you are evil like me and mess with those who are gullible? <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> got two hands up from somebody. Um, I have a story. Let me, let me just uh, share this real quick just to kind of show you what I mean, how I'm evil and people are gullible. Um, I used to work with a guy. He was such a good guy. He's one of my favorite people in the world to work with. We were on a small team together of uh, six, I believe. And um, he was the most gullible person I've ever met. The most gullible person I've ever met. So we, as a loving team, uh, came up with a plan to test this. And um, this is not a joke. I, I promise you this is not a joke. We decided to see if we could get him to believe that one of our other team members was actually his first cousin. First cousin. More than that, um, I know we are evil, but it's the first, if you believe that, come on. But um, not only did we succeed in getting him to believe that, but we, made, we got him to believe that he had forgotten He had worked with this person for a year, his long-lost cousin, and he had just forgotten that, that she was his cousin. Um, church, John is saying when it comes to the faith, when it comes to the truth, when it comes to the gospel, don't be like that. Don't be like that. That means anytime you hear a sermon, anytime you listen to a teaching, read a book, um, watch a video, hear a speaker, we should not automatically assume that what we are hearing is the truth just based on the person who's saying it, us thinking that they have the authority. Test everything. What they could be telling us could be wrong. Um, we are called to test. Let me, let me put this on the screen. Satan's plan has always been, and by the way, will forever be, to come against and to persuade God's people against God's truth, God's word, and God's son. That's the game plan. That is his game plan, to come against, to persuade God's people against God's truth, God's word, and God's son. Uh, if you think about it, isn't that exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Right from the beginning. Just a little bit of a persuasion to not fully trust God's truth. It started there, and what started in the garden continues today. John says there are many false teachers who have gone out. Again, that should not be a surprise. If that is Satan's plan, should we not then expect this? False teachers have gone out. And, and it's not only John who warns us about this, but we're warned by Jesus himself about false teachers that they might even appear to be genuine. In other words, false teachers don't wear T-shirts that say, false teacher on them, you know? They don't, they don't have, you know, license that say we are, belong to the false teacher class. That's, they are often appearing to be genuine. Um, 
Jesus says this, Matthew 7, 15. You don't have to turn here. We're gonna move a little bit, but I'll have it on the screen for us. Uh, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, ravenous wolves. Um, In other words, they might look awesome on the outside, but inside, they are dangerous. They are wolves, not sheep. Wolves and sheep don't like each other, if you didn't know that, but, but they, they appear to be genuine, but they are not. Peter echoes this, uh, echoes Jesus and John. Listen to this in 2 Peter 2. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, secretly even denying the master who brought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So church, this isn't new. This is not new. Uh, Is it possible, church, that this is still the plan of Satan? Say yes. Is it possible that this is the way Satan still intends to work? Say yes. Unless you don't believe me, then don't. But um, of course it is. It's not only possible, it's not only probable, but church, it's guaranteed. This is the way Satan, this is his battle plan against you. Um, Side note here, I've said this before, I promise you, you will hear it again. It is one of, it just saddens me so much when I hear people that say, doctrine, theology, that's not for me. It saddens me, It, it weighs me down, I mean... When you believe that it doesn't matter what you believe or, or that you know what you believe, that it'll all work out in the end. Or one of the most common things I hear is it matters what you do, not what you believe. Um, it, I've heard it said so many times that doctrine theology is only for select professional Christians. Church, no. Here's why. If Satan's tool against the church is and has always been to persuade God's people Um, to come against God's truth, God's word, God's son, then why on earth would you believe the lie that you shouldn't worry about defending yourself? That you shouldn't worry about knowing. It's not for me, that's for them. I can just go. It's like you're walking into a battlefield with no armor and just saying, come and get me. John says, church, don't be spiritually gullible. Instead, test. And by the way, don't hear me wrong. We're not calling to be a bunch of heresy hunters, right? No one likes that guy. No one wants to invite that guy over, the guy who's just constantly looking for something to debate and would rather parse Greek verbs than actually get to know you and love you. Not talking about that guy. But hear me, in a world of watered-down doctrine, in a world of watered-down doctrine, too many have bought the lie and continue to believe that we shouldn't get caught up on what we believe or not believe. Church is countercultural is what I'm about to say may sound. I promise you it is true. Christianity is doctrinally intolerant when it comes to our Savior being exactly who he said he was. Christianity is doctrinally intolerant when it comes to our Savior being exactly who he said he was, meaning there is no wiggle room on this one. We can't afford to get this one wrong. We can't afford to be ignorant about Jesus. He came so that we may know him, and we don't have a valid excuse to just say, ah, we can choose ignorance for now. Not this one, church. 
There are some things in doctrine, just so you know, that, that you know, we may not fully wrap our minds around. Right? I mean, we're talking about an infinite God. Is there any wonder why we struggle understanding everything? There are things that even Christians debate. This is not one of them. There is no wiggle room on, on this. Um, I've heard it said that, that, and I believe this, church, false doctrine is as much of a sin as unrighteous behavior or a lack of love. False doctrine is as much of a sin as unrighteous behavior or a lack of love. And John says, church, do not be gullible. Uh, before we kind of go further, I want to drill down a little deeper into, um, did you notice there's quite a bit of spirit talk in this, in this verse? There's a lot of spirit talk. If you look at this passage, we see spirits, we see spirit of God, spirit of the Antichrist, spirit of truth, spirit of, of error. Um, so what's going on here? Are we about to get all spiritual? Yes, we, we, we are. John says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So we are to test the spirits because it could be from God or it could not be from God, right? Um, if you can, turn with me just a few books earlier to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy will be in chapter 4. Um, so Paul here is writing to uh, Timothy, and he's touching on the very same thing. I want you to listen, listen to this. It says, Now the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the, truth, uh, the Spirit of truth, um, expressly says that in latter times will, some will depart from the faith. So let's stop there. That's exactly what happened in 1 John, right? Exactly what happened with these people departing the faith. This is exactly what we've seen in the church um, historically, that there are some that will depart the faith. So it says, now the Spirit um, expressly says that in uh, latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So, let me put it like this to try to just bring this down. At the heart of every, every heresy, the heart of every false teaching, the heart of every false doctrine is at its heart demonic. Is at its heart, its core, uh, satanic. In our text, when you see the spirits that are not from God, these are those spirits that oppose God. Remember what we put up there, Satan's plan these are the spirits that work toward that plan. And John says, test them. Test them. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but Satan is not a fan of Stone Oak Bible Church. At least I hope he's not. If he is, we need to go home. But my hope is that Satan is not a fan of what is, is, has been happening here for the last year. That he is not a fan. My hope is, is that he would love for us to cease to exist. But I am convinced, the more I think about this, that even more than that, he would love to lead us astray. To start proclaiming things that are not true. Why is that? Because then he invites us to join in his mission. He invites us to start. Listen, we are not above this. You are not above this. I am not above this. As soon as we think that we are too smart to be deceived, the deception has begun. 
We are not above this. This is still Satan's plan, and we are still Satan's target. Uh, So, rather than leave you down, um, what do we do? What do we do? I want to look at this, this text, and I want to pull out what it is. What do we do knowing that Satan is still active, he still doesn't like it, He still doesn't like us, and it's still his plan to persuade us away from God's truth. Knowing that, what do we do? I'm glad you asked. The first thing that I want to look at in this text is test everything. We've talked about this a little bit, but test everything. Everything, meaning every book, every teaching, every sermon, every conversation. Take it upon yourself to take everything and put it next to God's word. Everything. Compare it to put it against God's word. It is incredible that we have, that we hold this. Because in this, it tells us who our Savior is, what he came to do, what he did do, and who he's called us to be in light of that. We know that we stand on that, and and we know who we are in Christ because of this. We know this. We have this. We can know what is true. Yet how often do we just, are we content with assuming what is true? We just assume it. Someone told us it's got to be true. And we go around believing that our first cousin has been working with us for a year. We assume what is true. And in everything you hear, church, does it contradict God's word? Test it. Test it. This will require work on your part. This will require work on your part. But if there is one place where there is no place for laziness, it's got to be this one. Since we know our enemy's plan, it would then suggest that if you're going to be lazy on something, don't let it be this. Don't let it be this. Um, Every other world religion, every other cult, including the cult that started right here in 1 John, starts with a subtle, false idea. Just this little seed of doubt. Every good lie is mostly true. But it's just subtle. Subtle. Attacking who Jesus, the Son of God, is. And every false doctrine, every world religion, every other, every cult is just a subtle variation. We've said this before, but no one who finds themselves in a cult, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say they didn't get a part of that cult because they Googled, what's the nearest cult that I can join? Right? What happened was, is it was a subtle lie and Satan's plan to come against and persuade God's people against God. That's what happened. It starts with subtle variations about who Jesus is. Jesus is not just your example, church. He is your only savior. Jesus is not just a great man. He is God. Jesus is not just God. He is God with us. He is God incarnate. He is the God-man. He's the only way, the truth, the life, and our lives, our faith, our hope are in Christ alone, period. Any, this is Christian, church, and anything less than what I just said is not. That's a hard thing to, to hear, 
But anything less than that is not. We test everything, and we are absolutely intolerant regarding our Savior. We do not wiggle on this one. He was who he said he was. He was nothing less. This is not a place for wiggle room. And as I said, there are places in our doctrine where we can have some awesome conversations trying to get to the bottom of things. This is not one. This is one that, that all Christians stand on foundationally, fundamentally. This is what it means to be Christian. And so we test everything against this. Because this test will help you determine truth from error. Um, it will separate us from every other school of thought, every other philosophy, every other religion. Is your Jesus the real Jesus as seen in God's word? Uh, John says, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. We test everything. Second, uh, we stand confident. We're going to drill down a little bit into verse 4. I love this verse. <laughs> little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So, weird question before we dig down in. How many are a little bit uncomfortable with the thought that Satan is still real, still attacking, and you're still his target? It's okay to admit that. That should make us think, especially if we haven't thought about that before. He's really looking to destroy you. Uh, our enemy is real. He was real then, he is real now. Um, but as real as that is, as real as the attack is, is the truth that you are from God and have overcome. So how could that be? How could it be that I have overcome? Because sometimes I don't feel like an overcomer. How is it that we have overcome? So I want you to follow me here because this is why all of this matters. This is why it matters that Jesus was actually man and God, that he was the God-man. This is why it matters. Um, no one in the history of history has been able to overcome Satan. No one has been able to do it. We've all sinned. We all fall short. No one has overcome but one. But one. Jesus comes to this earth. He's fully man. I mean, fully man, right? And Satan unleashes his finest attacks on him. Temptations and struggles. He unleashes it on him, attempting to, again, persuade him against the truth. But for the first time, these attacks were not successful. For the first time, these attacks were not successful, but Satan's attack wasn't finished yet. So finally, Satan has Jesus right where he wants him. That is bloodied, suffering, and hanging on a cross. Uh, he, he, Satan's perceived victory was realized even more when Jesus took in and breathed out his Final breath, executed by the ones that he came to save. Satan actually delivered the fatal blow to the Son of God. But his victory dance didn't last very long. Because in the depths of the worst moment in all of history, and I don't overstate that, 
the worst moment in all of history uh, came the heights of the greatest victory the world has ever seen. Uh, Jesus rose from death to life, conquering death, conquering the, the grave, conquering Satan. He overcame. He didn't only defeat Satan, though, in that moment. With this, he hands Satan the final judgment that he will be defeated forever, and there's not a thing that he can do to stand in the way of it. Not only that, with that in mind, I'm not going to put this on the screen. I want you to hear, hear me as I read this. This is what Romans tells us. In light of that, in light of that, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Christ you have overcome Think about this. I have a weird analogy. We're all Spurs fans. This goes without saying because they're awesome, but if you're not, just play along with me, all right? Picture you're a Spurs fan. Um, you're not able to see the big game. Of course, they're not playing right now, but that's too fresh. But you're not able to see the big, the big game. You're bummed, but you record it, and it's ready to go for the next day. I mean, you are a legit fan, and you want to experience it live. All right, so you record it, it's ready to go the next day until your wonderful friend sends you a wonderful text message that says, can you believe that game? Spurs win by 13, what an ending. Can you believe it? And then you forget to silence your, your ESPN alerts and ESPN reminds you again. You can't unsee that, right? You can't unknow that. But, like I said, you are a legit Spurs fan. So that next day, you post up and you put the game on, and you're watching it. You're watching the whole thing. Let me ask you, how foolish, how crazy would you have to be to be nervous and anxious as the Spurs are down in the first quarter? How much of a lunatic would you have to be to be anxious and nervous? I mean, it's literally insane to, to be so upset when the Spurs are even down by 28 at the half, right? That's insane. You know the ending. At that point, you're either, one, questioning your friend in ESPN, which is unlikely, or you're insane, you are absolutely, I mean, because even if the Spurs are down, with every drive that they go down further, you should be excited knowing this is about to get good. Because I know the ending. I know what it's going to look like at the final whistle. I know. The same is true in Christ. Church, you know the final score. You know the final score. You know the ending and how is it, how insane is it? to know what you know, and to be anxious when you're down at halftime. I, that is insane. 
But how often is that what we do? We forget that we know that we know. We forget it. Through Christ, we should be the most confident people on the planet. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. And he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Notice the text says, greater is he, not greater is me. Don't believe it for a second that you are capable in and of yourself to stand before Satan and say, I got this. That's foolish because, like I said, no one has done that in all of history and has won that match. It's too much. You're outmatched for that one. However, you can know and you can stand on the fact that he who has already conquered him lives in you. He who has already conquered him lives in you, and through you, you have overcome. He is greater, and he's already proven that. You know the final score. He is greater. Greater is he, not greater is me. And now we stand in confidence knowing he is greater. And because he is greater, church, you are more than a conqueror, as Romans tells us. How's that for confidence? We test everything. We stand confident. Lastly, this one sounds funny, but hear me out. Expect to be ignored. But speak anyway. Expect to be ignored, but speak anyway. Did you hear that when we read this text? Um, things like, hey, they're from the, they are from the world, uh, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. So they get each other. They understand each other. The wisdom of the world makes complete sense to them. But then verse 6 says, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. So they get each other. They know each other. Then you show up. Right? And, and it's like you're from Japan. They're from Portugal. You're not even on the same page, not speaking the same language. They don't listen to you. The text says they don't even listen to us. Um, which, honestly, that should make some of us feel better, because it's not just you, right? It's us. It's us. Um, it's not you. It's your Jesus. And so we expect to be ignored. Notice, though, our text does not say or even imply that we should stop speaking. It doesn't say it. It doesn't imply it. In fact, it assumes that we continue to speak. We do not stop speaking, even though it's like they're not listening, even though we're ignored. We speak anyway. We speak anyway, because if we know the truth in Christ, then we are compelled and commanded to tell people. So we don't stop speaking, but as we do speak, don't be surprised when we are ignored, when we are misunderstood, when we are misinterpreted, when we are called something that we are not. Don't be surprised when that happens. Um, and please don't hear me wrong here. I'm not, I'm not calling us to have this, well, whatever attitude. Like, they're not going to listen to me, whatever. They can do their thing. Like, that's not, that's not it. Church, this should break our heart that they don't listen to us. This should be something that drives us to our knees praying, God, would you open their ears, soften their hearts. Please, God, let them hear. Please, God, let this make sense. Please, God. This should drive us to our knees. Um, don't be surprised when you're ignored, but don't take pride in it either. Don't take pride in that. Hit your knees in prayer for that, but expect. We, we test everything. We stand confident, 
and we expect to be ignored. And the, uh, let me, the crux of this message, the, the absolute essential foundation of this message is boiled down to the question we've asked a couple times. That's, is your Jesus the real Jesus? Is your Jesus the real Jesus? The, our, our text this morning gave us a test. And so what I want to do is I want us, as we end this morning, instead of taking this test and applying it to them, let's just take the test together. Listen to this. Here's the test. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. God, do you confess Christ? Is God, is Jesus who he said he was, did he come in the flesh? Was he truly the God-man? Or was he something else? A better way, I think, maybe a more clear way to ask this is, do you confess the same Jesus that Jesus proclaimed to be? Because I don't want to imply that there's many kinds of Jesuses here. Uh, Jesus was very clear of who he was and, and what he was. Um, in fact, uh, I want to give you a famous quote from a book called Mere Christianity. And I know that I quoted C.S. Lewis last week, so get off my back. Um, it's awesome. No, I'm joking, kind of. Um, I want to read this to you. And the reason I want to read, by the way, church, when your pastor has this as his bookmark, a Starbucks napkin, it shows I like coffee a little too much. Um, let, me, let me read this to you um, because C.S. Lewis is getting at the heart of what we're talking about. Listen to this. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. And he did not intend to. That's good, isn't it? Church, what do you do with Jesus this morning? Again, Jesus was not just your example. He is your only Savior. He was not just a man. He is God. He's not just God. He is God with us. God incarnate, the God-man. He is the only way, truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. That is our Jesus. And as a result, our lives, our faith, our hope is in Christ alone. Let me pray for us. God, we, we stand here, and in all honesty, we realize we don't deserve what you gave. God, we stand here and we think about the fact that you sent your son into this world, that you sent him to suffer and to die on our behalf, to take the punishment that every one of us in this room deserves and to give us what no one in this room deserves, which is a relationship with you for all eternity. 
God, that is made possible in Christ, through Christ, only through Christ. So God, we just step back and we say thank you. That's the only response that we have in light of your gospel is worship. That's it. And so this morning, that's what we offer. And, and God, I just pray for every person in this room, wherever we come from, whatever background we come, whatever our morning has looked like, whatever our weekend has looked like so far, whatever brings us into this room, I pray that you meet us here. God, wherever we are, I pray that you show us the beauty of your son. Show us the beauty of your son, what he has accomplished, what he has done. And from that, just let worship just boil up from within us. God, and I pray that from that, you give us the ability to test everything that we hear. I thank you for giving us your word And I pray that you allow us to become diligent and become excellent at um, taking what we hear and applying it to the truth, your truth that you have given us. God, give us the ability to test everything and give us the ability to stand confident. And God, give us the ability to speak, the heart to speak, knowing that the world will hate us, knowing that they will ignore us, but we speak anyway because we are compelled and commanded to, and so we speak boldly, and I pray that you help us to do that. God, your son changes everything. So God, as we leave this place, I pray that everything about us has changed in light of him. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.